Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, hello boys, how are you? Very good, how are you? I'm alright, doing not too bad. Hi, I'm good. I, I sometimes I start the podcast off with what I call the most important question of all. Mm-hmm. So for you, I thought, how do you feel about the strokes nicking your song? Oh, aye. Oh, bad decisions. You've <coughs> oh, really, released yeah. a good tune, just the second best bad decisions. Aye, it's still <laughs> good, it's just not the best bad decisions. See, to be fair, man, there's got to be an option out there called bad decisions. We were there. There's got to be plenty. We wasn't even called by Zizzers with us. It was called something else. It was called Off White originally. Called Off White, and we changed uh-huh. it to that. But it's called Off What? Off What? Off White. Why was it called Off White? So the kind of if you're hanging, like the the complexion of your skin is Off White. Aye. Yeah. White yeah. is a sheet. White is aye. a sheet. Can yeah. I pay all that beige as well? But um, aye, I think we changed it when we recorded it. I think it was Johnny's idea, wasn't it? He said. But it was weird. It was definitely a weird one because someone said to me, "Oh, I strokes released a tune called Bad Decisions." I was like, "What?" So I was wondering what it would be like. Obviously, the song was all like. It's a good tune, to be fair. It it's a bit kind of retro. Yeah, it reminds me more of kind of like Julie Cast Spice more kind of simpy stuff, Philip Boyd's and stuff. It sounds yeah. a bit different to. I've been listening to a lot to the first few albums recently, so it definitely sounds a lot different to that. Aye, that's good. Aye. What do you make of the the kind of new, the newer stroke stuff? I mean, you got com- what was coming then? Was it like seven years ago now? Yeah, twenty thirteen or something. Yeah, smart it tunes on it to be fair. No, definitely. I think we really liked uh, Angles as well. Mm. Actually, I'm not a massive Angles. I'm not a massive Angles fan. That's probably my least. Kind yeah, of I just because it was still kind of like a lot. Of, a lot of it was still very heavily guitar based. I like that. I under the cover of darkness. I thought that was great. That's um, a good yeah, tune to be fair. There's another good one. I'm taking for a fool. Yeah, it's a good tune. Yeah, I've just been pure obsessed with. It. I've been listening to. Um, I hadn't really listened to the third album that much, so I've been listening to a lot of that. Aye, first impressions are. Yeah, first impressions are. one of the best ones, yeah. Um, there's also one song in particular, I can't remember the name yet. Um, it's, it's a really synthy one. 
like a kind of deep track on the album. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but, but I really um, like I, it. Do you know Eyes of the World off the album? Um, I'll have a wee look just in case. But it's it's ones like I just it, for me it was uh, it, it kind of reminds me more of this uh, bad decisions. It's like more kind of in that vein. Yeah, ask me anything. That's what it is. I just remember. That is a good song. Yeah, too. that's that I've been listening to that a lot. Um, but I, I I just I just really love her. The kind of first three albums, especially the first two, I just yeah. the first two are very similar, I guess, in a lot of ways. But have you seen them live before? Nah, never, never. I feel like a lot of those bands I haven't seen them. A lot of the ones that I've, especially, I feel heavily inspired by, I've never seen them. So a lot of them I won't get to see. Do you know what I mean? Especially like older bands and stuff. I've seen Arctic Monkeys, thankfully. Was that but a transmit? Or? That was a transmit. Yeah. Probably the best gig of my life. Oh mate, same. It was such a long day as well. I was wearing all black that day. I was wearing like a black t-shirt, black jeans. That's shoes. a bold like, move. Oh, Why am I doing that? It was like it was about twenty five degrees or something and um, I just I remember like I think the sun was just starting to go down as I think monkeys came on I was like oh thank god because it's it was just horrible man it, it felt just, like it took ages to go down and once it started it like, did, pretty man. sure I get sunstroke man uh, I positive. think we did but we all get separated <clears throat> so we were all together as like a kind of bigger group I right, so you guys are just back from London have you when did you get back from there when was that when were you not down at your manager's flat writing tunes Oh no, that's right. in Glasgow. Yeah, 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 so he, ah, so he was down in London. Yeah, he, he yeah. lives in Glasgow and London. So, like, he would spend his time between Glasgow mm-hmm. and London, just depending on what he needs to do. So, for some stupid reason, he left us the keys to his flat. <laughs> yeah. um, Rab's practically moved in, man. Like, he, that's his base now. Like, uh, as soon as he gets the opportunity to move it, he's, <laughs> it's his man. He's, uh, he's like, jumped right on top of that, man. He's made himself right at home. But I, we've, we've just been in there quite a lot last week, man. Yeah. So the album's been wrote in Southside and Shawlands, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's kind of good because it's just a, a kind of space for us to. We don't like the way we've wrote in the past. It's when we sit down and do it like in the practice space or in the studio with Marshall, we're all together. But it's not often that we all that all four is are present when we're writing yeah. stuff together. The way that we kind of normally flesh out ideas. So actually being able to sit the four years and. Do stuff that's been really productive. That. Well, your drummer just you say he wrote his first tune as well. Yeah, yep. he'd like, and he basically just kind of like vocalized all his. We was like, he had an idea, he had all of it, like structure, he had all the structure in his head. So we'd get to the next part, and we'd be like, "What do you think?" And he would like tell us what he wanted to add to it, and then we were able to kind of take that and transpose it. He was kind of communicating it to you, and you were. Aye, man, he had like the bass line sorted, especially at the beginning, and it's a very like. It's a very, it's, it's, heavy, it's very man. heavy it's for very us. Heavy. Like we were sitting doing the tones and stuff, and we went from a really jaggy and like really kind of thick distorted bassline. We were messing with guitar tones, and we found this one that was really like metal sounding, <laughs> like uh, I don't know, like Metallica or something. And we we're like, oh no, we can't do that. And then we're like, why would we not? Like, why would we not? I, well, it, it, I mean, I it is, but now listening back, it's got our kind of structure in there. It's got like, imagine once the lyrics and stuff get done it'll still be like a kind of standard song for us but it's definitely like the heaviest thing it's got like a breakdown at the end of it like a proper breakdown <laughs> so um, it's definitely got especially people that are kind of fans of that music will kind of see what we've done when we've kind of messed about that way but uh, it's exciting especially for him because he always writes all the drums for all yeah. so, I mean it's not like we can tell him what to play he's so he's <laughs> ability is so far ahead of us that it's like I don't know we could probably play like a 4-4 on the drums or something do you know what I mean like I could show him how to, I could probably tell him one of my ideas but it's better just to leave it to him because he just he's just uh, he's an absolute animal on the drums so it's, mm. we just kind of leave things down but for him to have the rest of the idea for a tune and have so much he's been thinking about it for a long time so it's good that he's been able to, to get that done because usually it's just been him chipping in with the drums most of the time I didn't realise he was like a mad artist as well like, Aye, well, man, like, he does a lot he's been like, like that, that for like since year and like first year high school man like, you know you get like in, in school where people do like 
self-portraits of themselves and then they all get hung up on the wall and I think this was in like we were in like third year or something so obviously everyone's up there and you could see if people had done something or slight resemblance to some of them up here funny looking you're like oh my god look at that but <laughs> Kyle's was like this pure like masterpiece like I like draftsman thing man it was all like smoky and all that and it was like quite trippy as well it was just like so far ahead of everything else that was like up there and he'd done all this really cracking stuff in school and he's done all this like kind of like evolved over time and done more stuff. he'd probably tell you more about it than we could but it's, uh, he's got a real talent for it so it's, it helps out for us with the band and stuff as well like he's designed most of the artwork with David him and David kind of work in tandem with Photoshop and mm-hmm. like drawing stuff up uh, it works better that way hopefully it doesn't work out too well for him and it doesn't patch us to go and be a, a mad famous artist well, I, was, I was saying to him it's like Ringo Starr Ringo Starr takes pictures of himself on these Mac like do you know you get like the filter that's the four colours Yeah. he does a peace sign he prints it out on a Canvas and he sells, sells them it. for like he sells them for like two thousand dollars. I was like, okay, I was like, if we ever make it that big, like you can live like that for the rest of your life. <laughs> just you know what I mean, giving people handwritten things in public and charging them for it. Do you know what I mean? But uh, he's 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 actually he sold a couple of these mm. these things already and he's made a good bit of money off it. So it's, it's good. Deservedly so as well, man. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's very impressive. Yeah, he worked hard. He worked hard for his his art degree and it was a lot of stress. Um, obviously it's it would be for anybody who's trying to juggle being in a band and working and studying and stuff. Um, I mean I feel lucky I've been studying since I was like 17 or something so it's <laughs> I can even go back to essay writing or that kind of stuff man like that's so f- gone, so man. far beyond I am my don't even I don't even have got the, the thumb strength to hold a pencil <laughs> do you know what I mean like, <laughs> was uh, there anything you did like in school or you just I man I, I, I really wanted to I mean I never thought I was going to be in a band in a left school especially when I, when I first left school I wanted to go and do I've done social sciences so I wanted to be my favourite subject was history and I kind of like English as well and I didn't mean music but I really liked history and I wanted to go and do something with that and I, I, don't, know, I don't know it's just it's one of the things that I kind of immediately found when I got to college the kind of change in the atmosphere the way it was a lot more serious there wasn't as many people that were just there for part do you laugh, know what I mean yeah. in social sciences it's quite it's quite quiet do you know what I mean it was for me anyway it was just like uh, and I was 17 I was the youngest in the class so it was, I just felt like it wasn't for me but I think in school we like we both done standard good music anyway and we had a laugh with that like it was pretty much the class was like, like there wasn't there wasn't really the need for it to teach anybody really in the class how to play instruments really. Most of the people Everyone in the class had, someone, had yeah. something they could play, yeah. And then there was maybe some people that were faffing about. There was boys that we knew that were playing like glockenspiel and like recorder just for like, <laughs> just there, they were just there for the party. You know what I mean, they were just there for a laugh. But we would for us it was good for us because our music teachers would let us go up to the music rooms and play at lunchtime and stuff, just mess about, which is kind of like where this all kind of started in mm-hmm. the very beginning because it was it was, it was people like me and Dave and Kyle and people that we know that also played instruments and we got up there and we ambitions of being in a band do you know what I mean but never take, thinking of that Seriously. as being a serious thing I don't think there was aye because you like a wee thing the three years before we yeah, yeah, kind of got involved yeah, like a couple of years before we would mess about we, yeah, we would, we would, at least at least when we were kind of staying in contact or getting back in contact with Kyle we would anytime we'd go to rehearsal space to, to practice songs he would be the drummer that we would have so he would go to even if we stopped talking to him for a couple of months or however long it was man if, mm-hmm. if anybody, any of us were planning on going to a practice studio he was always a go to when he did come in with the dance it was like it started with me well Rab had started it to begin with obviously and he we had other people that were filling in the gaps at that point so we had Anthony um, who was in Heavy Rapids and then we had our pal Josh who makes techno music now um, but that's what it started and it, even at that time I wasn't really too sure about it I think I was totally sure when when Kyle and David came in it just felt like it kind of clicked a wee bit I clicked and Kyle like Kyle, because Kyle is so proficient at drums it's like he hadn't done it in ages he hadn't actually been practising drums or nothing he kind of 
fell away from it so it was us kind of like playing with the band but he was starting to he just always had that ability in there but he was just as soon as he came back and it just started transforming other songs like they mm. all just started getting this energy about them that they just felt we kind of lacked this togetherness or cohesiveness we wrote, we wrote Birds and the Bees when Josh was still there and G53 as well so we were playing them but they just had this there was something that was like the driving bass and drums that we have now I don't think it was as present until until we started sorting things out that way mm. Was the stuff you were writing the last week, is that kind of similar to the things that came out last year? Or? Um, I think One there's, or two, def- there's a few in there, right? there's a few in there, like, if you're, like, with bad decisions in Marlon, it's like, I think people can maybe hear a wee bit of a progression there, or a change there, or, or, um, I think that these songs maybe are like that, but we still feel like it's a fresh take as well, we always feel like whatever we're doing, whatever the most recent song is we're doing always feels like the newest or freshest thing it is, because we always try and as much as we've developed a sound, we always try and kind of push it out a wee bit and try and change things a wee bit or just keep things fresh, really. Um, but I'd say there's been a mixture. But the songs I've done just now, if you were to like, listen to all of them in a row, you would be like, that's a bit kind of... But like 1975, when Madden was a wee bit different. Scattered about, but it's, we're just trying to find what we like. And I think we're not too worried about totally like throwing things out and changing everything. Um, we've got enough songs out there that's about an album's worth. But um, we still feel like the sound that we've got now, we're still learning, we're still learning that. So I feel like the songs will they'll definitely be. It won't be radically different, but it will be at least it will be, a continuing progression. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll be able to demonstrate what we've learned. We're trying to teach ourselves a lot more now. Um, I think again, maybe we had a certain amount of skills, um, and there's only so much we could do with that. But now we're trying to become, we're trying to learn more about music itself and how you write it. Um, just trying to take influence from a lot of places as well so you've always feel that you've got something a, a reason to make music or a reason to, to write lyrics or anything you always feel like you need to have a purpose to do it I feel like if I don't have one um, then I can't really get anything out yet I can that's why for years I used to just learn to play songs I used to love learning songs that I liked just because I thought it was fun to play it and feel that's that kind of sense of accomplishment when you, you learn it now it's like I, I don't really know any other songs because I'm constantly just trying to write more stuff mm for the dance so it's good that that's became the case I'm excited about that I mean like the stuff you put out last year almost was even like a I don't want to say a step up in production but you're doing something quite different with it a bit more interesting had that been coming for a while do you think that no I didn't think that was a conscious decision when the the song was like I think Bad Decisions was the turning point where it became different so when when I first started writing that there was never anything about production in that it's still the first time we played it and we were in Jim's old studio that time, mind. Mm-hmm. First time we played it, it still sounded like an old dunce song. It was only when we went in with Johnny and Marshall that things started to get a bit wild. I think we started bevying pretty early in the day <laughs> for that recording session. So, like, by halfway through it, man, we were all feeling a wee bit more open to new ideas and trying yeah. different things, man. And I think the key was that we had... We had parts there. It was one of those songs that had all these parts. We, we, we had done a lot of writing on it. David had this idea of the song and we'd, we'd managed to write so much for it I think it lends itself well once you've got all these at least sections of the song you can then play about with the dynamics of it once it comes to the production but I think there was there, there was at least maybe a conscious effort to the song itself kind of sounded like it could be like a progression it just already felt like it was something that was like it had acknowledged what we'd done I mean it's some of your strongest songwriting so yeah. we're going to take some risks with it, it feels like the song to do it on because you've yeah. kind of got that really solid yeah. firm bedroom like with the last bit like with like the end bit with Rab um, which I think we had described on somebody, somebody commented when it got played on 
Jack Sanders showed it, it sounded like something like busted. So mm. we were like, aye, that's yeah, kind of like what kind of we thought. Yeah, with the, with the way they jumped back in and even just they dropped into like the... Some of the, the stuff you do with the drums on that. Yeah, aye, drums and the keys. Some cool that. effects. Yeah, mm. I think it's like, and then we had the chance to like, obviously we hear you as well, we had a chance to do all that. So it's like, it's just another, it just feels like another part of your, like our weaponry, do you know what I mean? Part of our arsenal we've got is if we're able to do that. But it, it also kind of leaves it like, we're considering with the album, it's like, do we then also have some songs that are more traditional? Like we've not we've went so much in the kind of direction of like using stuff like not going through like not doing room recordings going into the camp do you know what I mean like I guess you want the album to be cohesive don't you yeah you want mm. yeah you want to you want to be able to like it just depends on like you don't want to have things too like inconsistent you want to have like a consistency there at least with, with your ideas and the sound but it, I think it's definitely going to give us room to experiment a wee bit as well yeah you mentioned here yeah yeah. Well. Who first came in with the idea for that? I'm, I was, I'm interested. I mean, how me and David were sitting there, and we were like, right, um, we're playing transmit. We're like, one thing we need. Well, I think at this time, I think one of the reasons why we were maybe a wee bit worried that even that the transmit set would maybe be a big thing and it wouldn't have a lot of exposure. So we were like, how do we get that moment that sticks out? You know what I mean? That, that makes people remember it. Obviously, it was it went amazing, and I'm so happy with how many people actually were there and how many people I spoke to about it since then. But I mean, I was watching it on YouTube last night. Like the, the full sets up, it just yeah. Oh, I mean, nuts. it was such a great time we had. But we that's when specifically we were like we'd seen like Jerry done Disco Lands. That's one of the things I remember for when when Transmit first started was him doing that. You used to see that video on Facebook constantly, man. Yeah. That was one of the main Transmit videos you would uh-huh. see. Was that so? So like, we understand that moment, and we were like, why don't we take a song that means a lot to us at least. Not, not, not so much means a lot to us but it's in, firmly embedded in our brains from our childhood something that's gone to like connect with people of a similar age or slightly younger or slightly older everyone knows that song so we named we wrote down about 20 songs yeah. and like here yeah, was the first song that we suggested and we wrote all these other songs down and we couldn't we, all of them were like, we couldn't agree on any of them and then we were just like it's got to be here yeah so it's got, but we just weren't sure how we were going to go about it so what were some of those other songs we don't things like just like think you're the kind of like Kind of like cheesier pop songs that would have been out there, things like Stacey's Mom, Mom and all yeah. that. Like we were just we weren't really sure about it today, but it had to be something that would be like a sing along, but not like you could very easily go and play like an Oasis song or something like that. But we were like set on like has to be pop music. It has to be radically different. It has yeah. to be a, a song that wouldn't sound like us, and we'd t- take it and change it to sound like us. Yeah, something that people. We always thought a bit like Baby Strange covering Young Folk. Young how folk that became well, one yeah, of so, so radically different, but the same or like. Fab, have you seen Fabric Bear doing Bad Guy? Yeah. Bad guy. They, they, have you seen their mashup as well? Uh, I'm so they not do a sure. mashup between the Strokes and Sugar Babes. Oh, really? It's fucking uh, mental. It's there so seems good. to be so many. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, it's not to say like like the, the bands now seem like kind of inspired it or whatever, but it seemed to be like people. Uh, I can't. You couldn't even put a finger on it, but there just seemed to come a moment when the bands in the scene or like bands since God started to kind of like get a kind of wee signature cover that, that shows that we have not not just like a kind of ability to write songs, but to, to kind of transpose these songs and make them like ourselves like, I think that's what we managed to do here yeah, was that when we had the end product we'd finished it which was before we'd recorded it we were kind of like aye that sounds kind of like one of our songs like it sounds like we could have wrote that rather than it being had you planned to record it or was it just because of the reception mm, with trans no, that you no, thought no there was like I mean there's, there's kind of reasons why you do things like this you know what I mean there's reasons why it's, it's all kind of related to exposure and trying to get yourself in the in, and in, in the ears of the music industry, you know, and get yourself in the right places. So it was kind of seen as a move in that way, at least in that 
it could be big for us. I mean, there's always that kind of. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I was not a wee bit worried in case it done too well and it became like our defining song. I was kind of worried about well, it's that. It's like uh, DMA, the top song on Spotify is the Believe cover, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is probably the, their biggest point in exposure as well. I mean, I hadn't heard of them until I seen that video as well. Had you not? I mean, no, I'd never heard of DMA until that point, and I seen that on because I like all the covers on. Is it the Triple, Triple J? Triple J. It? Yeah, it's a really good, cool Strokesman as well. With yeah, I really like. Well, I, there's a, we watched was a really good Fat Boy Slim cover by what was that band again the Belligerence the Belligerence done uh, Praise You and it's like it's good it's good because you know you get people do covers and it's like oh we're going to change it up and do our own thing they, they more or less get it like one to one spot on they, they do add some wee bits to it ah, it's all live though and it's like the, even the drummer's getting every part of the percussion yeah. like or even just like the Alex Turner band when he does Tame Impala it's just like especially because it was purely AM kind of either like peak did you put on you put on Jackson as well? Did you not match up with Hand and Calves? We matched up with Hand and Calves, which was like that was a pure last. That minute was a pure last minute. Like we we were like that works really well. We though. was like I'm glad that people think that because it was literally like they. So we, we wanted clarification. We were, we were saying to Jim, we were like, right, Jim. So do we? Will this cover be enough if we're just covering it? Because we'd already done the cover before we get told we to do a mashup. So we're like, well, we can just use this because this is us covering it. It's basically a mashup. It's us mashing ourselves up with uh, Outcast, but they were like, nah, it needs to have a, a, a mashup element to it. So we were like, right, what can we do that goes for that? So we were like, we'll just do Hamden Cabs was kind of the like, one ends on knee and one starts on a knee. Aye, so we were like, yeah, one ends on knee, starts on knee. So it was just like, and it was a kind of like, it was a kind of wee call out to the, because it's like Hamden Cabs by this point is one of those songs. It's like, if you've been, it's a deep track. If you've been watching, uh, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know Hamden Cabs, some people that may have kind of got in more recently in a year, year and a half, might not familiar with it so especially for people like Jack Saunders I mean he doesn't have a clue what like, handicaps or like Tommy or anything like that is, do you know what I mean um, so he, for, him, for us it was like we kind of shout it to like, people being like oh handicaps like we've, we've put that on radio it's not that we're going to play it on BBC they don't want it at any point so we've yeah, actually found an opportunity yeah. to do that that's another thing like, your music is so tied to Glasgow yeah definitely it's just, the stories it's because it's so much stuff obviously comes from there might be songs that might seem like about something else that comes from, it's coming from your own subconscious, so it's got to be rooted in something that's happened in your own life a lot of the time. There's a lot of things that's strictly about people we've met and characters we've met or the kind of people you meet in Glasgow, but a lot of stuff that just comes from our kind of... Is that who Dimitri is? I think, well, Dimitri's, Dimitri's actually like, Dimitri's not really... See, the thing is, when I wrote Dimitri, I thought it was going to be dead obvious. I said to the, I said to the boys at the time, I was like, I don't know if I can, I, I can put a song out like this because I feel like it's too obvious in terms of what the song's actually about. So the song is about dimethyltryptamine, like DMT, and like it was just based on kind of some of the experiences had I'd, I'd had when I'd tried DMT. I always wanted to put it into a song. The funniest thing I thought about it was, the thing about it is when you do DMT is that you can't really put it any words, either after a long time of considering what has happened, and immediately after. So there's kind of references to that into the song, like like water through my fingers. It's like you can't really, you're trying to grasp yeah. what's just happened, but it's totally gone. So I, I was, the irony I found was I was trying to put into words something that I felt like you can't put into words, mm. but I just ended up with a kind of decent pop song with it. But nobody's really, not too many people have picked up on that. That's I didn't know it was about DMT. It, now like, that you've said it, it I kind of made <laughs> like a house party type thing I, in I, a situation I, like that. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Well, somebody had said that to me before. They were like, oh, I just kind of took it as like a kind of like, not like a druggy song, but like it's there in the lyrics, kind of. Do you know what I mean? But I kn- I knew that for me, I just hoped it would be subtle enough that people wouldn't pick up on it. But it's funny that it has. And it's like when we kind of think about some of the what we know some of our songs are about, and the fact they've had like exposure on like major 
platforms like BBC Radio One. Well, Dimitri like, must have been played on. Dimitri was played on it. Yeah, bad decisions. Um, yeah. Witch Hunt. Radio like, One probably don't know what Dimitri's about. Yeah, they probably don't know. I mean, it's like we, that's the thing we get. We get. We had an interview with Jack Saunders and he asked us what Witch Hunt was about, and I was like, Is it about Johnny Rotten? Uh, yeah. the BBC it's about it's yeah. about the BBC. It's about, it's about Jimmy the BBC. Savile, yeah. I had an interview and then they banned they banned him from the BBC for that. So it was like he was asking me and I was like, I don't know how to word this. And then when the interview, like if you mean if you listen to the Medivale session, it's all cut out. It's like the whole. Portions, uh, like so, just, yeah, I was you don't speak about that. Nah, um, the whole portion gets cut. He goes to ask us about it, and then it's like I say that, and I was like, "There's no way his producer's going to let that go out because it's like it's not as if I'm like it's a slight against them. It's like I just wanted to write a song that could talk about that subject, but but having but again have it be subtle and have it only be me being like, right, that's good that I've at least put that out there. It's not like I'm sitting going like, oh, I'm raising awareness of this or that. It's just I I know what the song's about. I've also wrote it as a song that I feel that people will enjoy. It's also a good tune. Yeah. I, I get a kick out of the fact that people can listen to it or it gets exposure like that. Like, I'm sitting going like, I remember it get played on BBC Radio 1, it get played twice in a row, so Hugh Stevens played it, and then he played it, he went, let's play it again, and played it twice in a row. So It'll I, never get played again like, after you've told that story. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, ho- ho- hopefully, like, I mean, it's, well, maybe not any other singles that are like that, but he, he played it twice in a row, and I'm sitting there going, like oh my god, this is this is crazy. The fact he's even done that, that but the fact really that on the, radio, the fact that what this what the song is about as well, and the fact it's on the BBC, I just thought that was it was hilarious. I totally, totally, totally. <laughs> it was exactly what I wanted when I was writing it. Yeah, you know I mean, if I'm going to if I'm going to write a song that's going to be about something like that, because it's like although it's about Johnny Rotten, it's about him kind of murdering these kind of characters. Do you know what I mean? Murdering these people. That's what he wanted to make the movie about. Murdering these people that he believed were dead, or these, or at least he knew were dead. Yes, have you ever seen the interview they did with Piers Morgan, like that life story? Oh thing? yeah, well that's they the thing. About it yeah. that, yeah. They played it. They played it during an interview, and he's kind of like, "I told you so." But the but it never is, went out though. The interview did it. I think the BBC nah, cut it completely. Nah, they yeah, cut it, and it's just now obviously years ago it's been on the internet and stuff. It's the Someone's same way. Like, there's it, a yeah. comedian called Jeremy Sadowitz who's a, I think he's a, from America and moved to Glasgow. He's known as being like a, he's kind of like a. I mean, he probably wouldn't like the comparison with Frankie Boyle, but that's that's the kind of a provocative who, figure. Aye, exactly. Probably Frankie Boyle before Frankie Boyle, basically. Um, you can't find any comedy like anywhere because he just like he's quite strongly copyright for it. So you can. There used to be though. A recording that was him off his album doing a similar kind of joke about Jimmy Savile, and his record get taken off the shelves and shops at that point just just by referencing it. And this was in the eighties, and he made a joke like that. So, um, I you wouldn't imagine it went out at the time, but it's. Uh, it's like those, you've watched the Louis Theroux documentaries about it as well. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that, that, and, both that and the reaction because he was he was totally kind of taken in by the guy and. Well, Louis completely missed it, yeah. But then when yeah. it's the one when he goes back. Because yeah. after he died and he goes back and speaks mm-hmm. to the people again, mm-hmm. I, I mean, from your personal was, point of view, if you're trying, like, he's someone who's ex, you know exposed people before yeah. and stuff. Yeah. To miss something that so, big so must eat yeah. away at you. you know, it's, it almost seemed like, and especially the thing like when the guy like when the guy kind of passed away, a lot of people were saying, oh, it was everybody knew, or it was so common, or we all had an idea about it. And it's like, I uh, the guy obviously was able to. It's so weird though because the, what I found what I found so odd about the fact that. Louis Theroux was kind of sucked in by the guys when I, I was watching it and if you watch it back yourself it's like Obvious. some of the things he's saying he's, he's literally I mean I don't want to repeat any of the things he says but there's things he says during the documentary that's like him kind of flaunting the way he cuts about as well in uh, his wee shorts and yeah, his fucking and, and it's the way that he cut, cuts about like he cuts about all walks of life you know what I mean he was a guy who could walk into Buckingham Palace or down the street without being searched you know he was having dinner with Margaret Thatcher every like new year or whatever mm. like he, he was a marriage counsellor for the it's crazy, crazy, crazy stuff to get into, but it's... There's not really a figure like that these days, though, who could walk 
No, there isn't. Yeah. I mean, these the, the, obviously times have changed now. You've seen all like, like with the Me Too movement and stuff. It's like a lot of this stuff isn't even tolerated anymore, and thankfully, it's it, rightly a lot so. Of yeah, kind of been stamped out for it. Um, that's the another funny thing is like which like it's, it's you get you know you get weird things that happen, weird coincidences, weird synchronicities. It's like with the witch hunt, we released witch hunt, and it's like how many times has Donald Trump tweeted the words witch hunt? hunt? Every time he does it, people reply and they're like, <laughs> "Ha, they done." It's, it's like, ah, it's weird. It's weird. You need to write a song about Donald Trump. I well, I mean, why? But it's just like I what I feel like it's even. Like, it's kind of like the South Park thing where they've not so really they've not really slagged him because it's like how do you how he's a parody. do you he is a it's parody a, it's a bit like we he's mentioned I mean. Piers Morgan yeah he's almost become a parody of himself yep. as well mm. yep and, that, and that's the, that's the, and that's that's the worst point when you do become that when you become parodies is how can you and there's obvious things but it's like if we if we had to write a song and we go after Donald Trump and we go oh Donald Trump is a racist it's like you're kind of just being like stating the obvious with some yeah. of these kind of things you know what I mean they're like no to say one thing or another but it feels like you're kind of I spoke to you like um, I spoke to one of the boys who put your heads about this it kind of I've seen one has interviews I think it might have been yourself where he says preaching it to the choir that's how I feel that's how I feel when we like we wouldn't say we're a political band we've got songs like Coalition of Chaos that reference politics or things like even what chunks I feel references politics but that isn't like that isn't the entirety of who we are as a band so we don't want to make it it's just I feel like you are preaching it to the choir and I also feel like see being in a band like you like the ultimate goal really is to, to become self-sustainable and be able to have a career as a musician and make money so the product that you're selling helps you to do that so if you're if your whole thing is like a political image there's almost this kind of thing like yeah we're raising awareness and we're doing this and that but you're also kind of like pulling people in to take their money so that you can survive do you know what I mean so it's mm. I just find that if you I, I wouldn't want us to be all about politics in that way so it's, it's good to kind of be going to that kind of and the problem I have with some political songs as well is that if they're so upfront with their meaning they're yeah. boring because songs are about taking your own meaning from it yeah. which is like what you've done on Witch Hunt mm-hmm. like you were saying it's a political song mm-hmm. but it's also a tune you can, yeah you know. there's just things in there to be taken for it same with Coalition of Chaos Coalition of Chaos I wanted to just try and it was the first song I wrote the lyrics for myself and it was the first one that sat and kind of wrote the guitar and stuff for myself and I was I just wanted to have a wee something in every line that somebody could take I'll be something from I find a connection with it but again it's I don't know we've always been maybe kind of obsessed by not trying not to state the obvious even though some things might seem so obvious with our songs we, we always try and be a bit subtle we, we, we like running ideas together we like juxtapositions we like to things to seem like they're obvious and then to us it means something completely different we just like to play a bit with that but sometimes it's like at least we call us Nikki that would just me try to put all these kind of emotions that I have about it because that people get People are so like, like set apart these days by politics over really stupid things that we all kind of forget what the big issues are. Do you know what I mean? We forget that there's a lot of people that a lot of people from deprived backgrounds that will never escape that. That's the thing that I always relate to. Kind of growing up in the kind of areas, yeah. that's the thing I always think of. So for me, I'm not as like, I'm not as obsessed about like other people. People think there's other cultural problems. I'm not as bothered about them because I can't really relate to it. It doesn't. It doesn't make any. It doesn't relate to me specifically. The things that I, that's the things that I tried to write about are talking about that because it's like that's what Scottish independence for me was like a kind of. I felt like that was a chance for us to make life a bit better for people that were, despite the fact that we live in the West and life is generally good. Yeah, it was a chance to do that, and the, the fact that the, the Tories are now in the majority and right away they're just again attacking the the weakest people in society are the people the most vulnerable. It's and people people are surprised by it, or people even talk on these things like. 
like question time and they go oh look at the state this country's in it's like we've had the same government in for about 10 plus years now and, and it's just getting worse it's them that's doing it you know what I mean stop voting them in that'd be the simplest thing to do is if you're sick of the way this country's turning out then maybe think about changing the government that's been in for the past 10 years but it's getting I mean look at um what were all those like northern was it Durham and stuff yeah that have been Labour oh, kind for yeah, hundreds they all switched, of years they all switched and it was I mean it was a, it was a, a very I mean the thing is having having uh, we've all been through Scottish independence so we all kind of I think a lot of people woke up to how biased the media was after that whereas I think a lot of people during the British election didn't realise it was going on as much like I think Jeremy Corbyn isn't a perfect human being I don't think he's a perfect but he was villainised by the media he was villainised by the media he lost an election because his glasses were squinty character assassination it was total character assassination they were just blatantly lying about the guy and it's like when you see things when you see things like that happening your instant reaction should be why Why are the powers that be doing this why are the media getting after him it's not because he's a terrorist or because he's a communist it's because he he's a threat to the he's a threat to the establishment he's a threat to the elite but the, his problem is almost maybe he's, he's, his ideas are so radical to some people that they're so ingrained in a certain way of thinking that they're like that can't that's not possible you will destroy the country if you do that and it's like but it's the same in America with what they're facing with healthcare yeah. and stuff at the minute. It's like, a total rejection of like we we don't know Trump. I, I felt like at the time I felt like it was because they just they, they are sick of politicians at this point. So he was just he was he was it's it's the reality TV. Stuff. It's the anti-establishment vote. It's, it's it's the being part of the super elite and being part of the establishment, but somehow managing to convince the public that you're anything but. Which is mm. what happened to Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson, we know, is one of these guys that's highly connected. We know he's one of these guys he's that's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He has people when that's a funny thing when he get, when he get when he was the became the prime minister. So many people are be like, oh, I can't believe a guy an idiot. Like the worst thing is he's an idiot. He might blow us all up and all that. I'm like, no, the guy is not an idiot. The guy that's is the most insane part of it as well. Like he's got this public image of a guy who's thick when he's not. He's the exact opposite of that, and that's what makes it ten times more. He's got terrifying. He's got a book called I think I can't remember. I might just I might be misquoting it, but it's a book called I think it's called Seventy Two Virgins, <clears throat> and it's about this bumbling politician. Basically, him. It's a cat. He's, he's wrote the book about himself, and he manages to foil, foil this terror plot. So the book obviously is just laced with like racist words and expletives in it. It's the, one of the what, somebody who reviewed that said the most worrying part about the book was that the character had been described as although being innocent and being a, a buffoon and an oaf and all that, he, he wasn't really like that, and he actually didn't have any beliefs or opinions. He was just trying to further himself. Which is what that, that's the way I feel when you look at Boris Johnson. It seems so potently obvious. This is a guy who is self-serving and obviously serving, serving like his his buddies. Do you know what I mean? His his buddies for for his, his private schools and his mm-hmm. secret societies. You, you see that thing in the week as well, where um, like cut out like half the media from one of like the press conferences mm-hmm. or something. I like, didn't you know that like, half that he letting a journalist that he thinks is gonna you know give him a better write up. Yeah. Which is like you, you see that happening. I mean, it's like that's feeding off into it. It's like you don't want to say fascism, but this is like it's populism, you, isn't it? It's, it is to- not totally. I think that's what him and him and Trump, him and Trump live off manner. populism. Like that's 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 the entire thing. I don't know how long it can last. It can only last for so long. But then again, it's like it's just like it's it's just it's a rotating door. Do I mean, I think they're saying in America just, that there's gonna be a rejection of. His ideas, but yeah. Tories have been in power here for what twelve years now, and folks still aren't rejecting it. People still aren't rejecting it. People are seeing things are getting worse. The funny thing was that the, the Tories were able to, at least for the first five years, just keep back. Keep, they just kept deflecting everything back at Labour, saying you caused all this, as if they caused. They're the still saying that. They're still doing it, and it, it, it's weird now because even when they try to argue back and say, "Look, it's been like you are the government. You have been the government for the past ten years. How can you blame the opposition? We're trying to make." You make changes and you're still blaming. It's a vicious circle though, because I mean, one of the things they're doing is 
you know, cuts to education. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that a lot of these problems are occurring, the lack of education. It is, people don't of... know enough. And it's, but what I find as well is, especially with this kind of internet and information age that we live in, there's so much there that's readily available, whereas people almost become lazy in their thinking and that they will take, like, what I've noticed with especially Boris Johnson is there's a lot of, like, things that are cut down to very simplistic ideas are are made or are put forward in, in the form of sound bites or catchphrases. So like you won't get Brexit done. Like like people's opinions become and... exactly people's opinions just become surrounded, like or at least become about a certain slogan or catchphrase. Opinions or, or, are just or, essentially headlines yeah. with no other substance yeah, underneath. People, that. It's, mean, it's just like, the headlines. People aren't reading newspapers; they're just reading headlines. Like yeah. the Brexit question seemed to be like that, and not for like everybody, because there was people who there's I mean there's been Eurosceptics for a long time. There's people that had other reasons for voting. There's some people who were put forward a question and had their opinion swayed or at least changed by certain deceitful tactics do you know what I mean mm. like the whole NHS bus like well, that, I, I mean it's the, what was that quote as well like Facebook is the greatest propaganda machine yeah. right. but I mean have you watched that documentary on Netflix Cambridge as well Analytica, yeah. Analytica, yeah. Analytica ah, scandal. so that's man. part of the problem as well the, the landscape's hat, yeah. changed so much now where like if, if someone who was who was looking to only follow themselves regardless of anybody else and how that would affect other people uh, they can now do that because yeah. the tools available to them with yeah. this technology so you wonder you're like how long can it last but it's not the same as it used to be yeah. it's not just the newspapers these people have access to data that wasn't ever available access yeah. or not accessible before I mean, and they can target specific groups they can they can because the thing today it seems to seems to be a divide and conquer attitude mm-hmm. by the people that are manipulating everybody that seems to be they, they want to section off everybody into like smaller and smaller and smaller groups until there's so much infighting that there's no attempt at there can be no attempt at like fighting back because everybody is so divided just feeling you know like class divide and race divide class divide like like, then there's a there's a cultural divide you know i mean there's a shift everywhere there's a there's there's like even just people at different ages the generations have changed that rapidly that there's like there's a real problem with like in the way that in the past things would have been passed on through culture and it would have evolved over time it feels like there's a dramatic break between two and three generations where everybody like we're all looking at the world in different places in in different ways it's like I feel like especially with the rise of social media there's like seems to be a kind of embedded and accepted narcissism now it seems Mm -hmm. to be like it's it's readily encouraged and it's you get that dopamine hit when you know that's it man you get like oh I've had a hundred likes or like people are like oh I'm going to take down this picture because it's not enough likes or whatever it's like you're already accepting something like that in your life it's that's already took over your life at that point it's it's became it's became an addiction and it is an addiction like i find it hard myself like deleting some of the apps sometimes and mm-hmm. then i find myself a couple of days and i'm like desperate to get back in it again i'm like why i'm like why I mean, but I you, it's difficult as well being in a band because social media is such a huge platform uh, exactly. you want your stuff so you can't you can't actually get rid of it you yeah. can get rid of your personal ones but you you're on facebook you need that yeah. to it's in terms of like kind of criticism and stuff that way is it's kind of like i feel like you couldn't really escape it, I guess, if you were a big band, you were getting reviewed and that, but I, I, on a smaller kind of stage back in the day, you'd have been at least free from immediate criticism direct to you, because it's like... But the amount of shit someone like folk posted you on Twitter I've seen before. Like. Aye, we do, but I get it though, it's like, if it, you never want to be, you never want to turn into that band, it's like, they're, they're so popular that mo- like most people actually hate them, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but with us, it just seems to be... I don't know, you get a mixture, you do get a mixture, because you get, we've had, we've had people before that are like, bought tickets to our gigs, and they're, they're slagging us, do you know what I mean? So they're kind of being like, oh, I'm turning up at your gig, but it's not because I want to see you 
it's because I want to see another band or something but I don't know we've always we've kind of got used to it in the way that it's always been there from the very beginning and from the very beginning it was more kind of petty with people you actually know whereas now it's just strangers so you kind of more bizarre that is more bizarre like there was a guy who was messaging Rab and Rab spent the full night talking to him like cause Rab was just humouring the guy because the guy was just so like he was trying to get a rise out of Rab he was really really trying to get Rab to just lose the plot and Rab was just laughing at the guy the full way like right at the very beginning the guy had said we were terrible or something and I was like okay and the guy tried, kept coming back to being like oh no I actually like these and then like just tried to play games and he was sending like wee like fishing rod emojis and all that mm. but it's there's a, I think there's a kind of self-deprecating kind of thing in Scotland where it's like I, I always I always like talk about this thing that Lemmy says where it's like you imagine someone was at the karaoke, right, and they went up there really bad. Would you think that was cringy or embarrassing? You'd probably think that was a wee bit cringy or embarrassing. He's like, what if somebody went up and they were actually really good? Do you know think that would be even more cringy and embarrassing? Because they're like trying and they're talented. Like, there's that kind of attitude in Scotland where it's like... Ready culture. It's either ready culture, it's like, oh my God, like that, that, this is one of the reasons why you wouldn't be like, I'm in a band. Now it's more like, there's that many bands that you can just be like, I, I play music in a band and feel alright about it, but... I can. I think if I was about fourteen, fifteen, if I said that, oh, I play in a band, I just you just feel like people would laugh at you first. Like, and this is where, like when we first started, that was kind of some of our first criticism was people having that kind of attitude, being like, oh, what you gonna you gonna be in a band? Are you gonna play gigs and be in a band? And it's like, <laughs> well, I we are in this turn out alright. So, eh, well, we just you just need to like. I think we can. It, 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 it as long as things are going well, you just laugh. You just you just have a laugh about it. You, you kind of let people just get taking your stride. Ah, taking your stride, man. At least be happy that people know who you are, <laughs> even if they hate you. <laughs> because a lot of, like, like, and I'm gonna throw my girlfriend under the bus with this one here. But it was like, she, like before I had met my girlfriend, she was aware of the dunce, but we our name was everywhere all the time. So she didn't like us just because we were everywhere. <laughs> like it was like no, it was relentless. Did she know it was like the word? She muted? had the word muted. The dance. She, did, she she likes us now. She's been to see us live and stuff. Obviously, like do you know what I mean. She likes our music. But it's so. just like. A... But it's like we were almost like kind of that at, like everywhere at that point to the point where she didn't even want to listen to us because we were like they must be, they must be bad or whatever or like they must be overrated or something like that. Something along the lines of that. But this is this is some people's kind of thinking, and it's not like we need to go out there and try too hard to bring these people over. We will just keep continue doing what we do. And if people, people's opinion changes over over time, then that's that's good. But we're not bothered because we've got the people that do care about us. We at least know that we've got these fans. Like they used to be when people would like slag us, they'd end up like other people hassling them. Not like as if we'd be sending people to hassle them. People would just be like, "Oh, that's bang on order, that." Like these boys are just trying to live their dream. Leave them alone. That like as if you should have to take criticism. You need to like become resilient to things. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you're you're very much a band. I think provoke a strong reaction within people. You seem like a bit of a marmite band. People. I we are a band. I think we are a marmite band. I've never man. I've never met anyone who thinks the dunce are alright. Yeah. Folk either love the dunce. Oh, they hate me. That's it, man. And like we are very happy to have that kind of. That must be better than everyone people. thinking you're alright. You, the thing is, like uh, I think there was. Average, I there was an I think there was an element at the start where we were kind of you're writing songs and you're, you're kind of not you're not sure whether what you're doing is good enough or whether you should be writing music they should be trying to make people like it or like if I write this then maybe these people will like it or if maybe I should change this and then I mean they always like say it. yeah never write something for someone else but yeah, yeah but we've never we've always kind of as soon as we started writing our own songs and playing them live and people liked them it was just that, that's just this rush forward because we, when we first started we were like that we were like, we'll play one cover on a set that we want to play the rest of, the rest of the songs in the set regardless of how short the set is a cover can work one does on a set it gets spoken yesterday it does, it does we would do like Arctic Monkeys or The Strokes or something just something that's like popular people know but we still get to play all the rest of our own songs around that because we believe in these songs um, but I, I just feel like because we have just continued to just be ourselves and do what we like 
it has attracted the right people to us and uh, you can't win everybody over anyway think about it. just even just in general in life like how many people would you actually consider to be your actual friend how many people like do you have like they're just nothing to you and then people that you don't like that you can't like like everybody and get everybody it's impossible yeah. it's a tiny amount of people especially the further on in life you get you know what I mean the more lessons you, you learn starts down. to get really small um, so it's the same with like you be your fans as long as you've got these people that really care about you and will do everything and will do everything and support what you're doing and, and want you to live, live it and live the dream like they don't need to know anything about us personally and our reasons for it they don't need to know how much is like depending on it how, how much like we, we do want to do as a career we really do and we're, we're full steam ahead now but even just the fact that they enjoy our music enough to come and see us live or buy merch or whatever it is like it, it does you, you, you can never you can never not appreciate it you appreciate it constantly mm-hmm. and it's we've, we've tried to do as much as we can to give back to people um, in ways that we can like we've done the merch can I give well not I say yeah. I give away all these people uh, also raise money for us but we try to at least try and because we had it was such a range with that thing with people giving us money there was such a range of the kind of prices they were like we need to go right down the middle with this and just have it just be one set of things that we give to everybody so it's fair but we even felt just at least doing that made us feel a bit better because nah people don't need to do that so we were happy with people that the people that do matter matter a lot to us Mm -hmm. I remember I was at that show I was quite shocked when I found out it was crazy mate because it was a great first it was a good show sold out was it it was yeah I think it was sold out on the door mate first night of the tour yeah yeah when we got like to be fair like we didn't have a massive massive inventory but they basically just like what kind of a they done this man they still love you just still love you I don't know because it things go through your mind right you're like oh right away you're like oh it was probably one of the like, some wee guy that was like steaming or something and all the rest of these wee pals have lost all that and then people are telling us it was more likely it was like people our age and it was like like girls our age they'd like probably which is to us is like it's not that as new like me when I check your Spotify analytics it's like pretty much people our age otherwise can you see yeah you can see age? I think 18 to 22 is probably the most popular which is a, mm. a good bit like younger than us at least now but it's mostly people can outage, but that's I, what you want. You, you though, totally expected to be a kind of a, a certain age. type of person that would do something like that, and I think it was. It, I, 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 we don't know. We don't know for sure who who done it, but from what we heard, it was it wasn't it, it was people that kind of. It's almost as if they would buy tickets to go there just to turn up and just cause trouble, mm-hmm. which people do. People do things like that, especially for bands. Especially think bands that are getting are popular or out there all the time. This is uh, I think some people just get frustrated by seeing your name out there all the time. Maybe like it just frustrates them. I don't know. Speaking of merch, actually, one of the Dunce FC t-shirts coming back because I've been waiting eagerly You've been for waiting? one. Oh, Did I tell you what happened at the touch show? No. No. So I tried to buy one twice. Right. The first time I went up to the guy, I was like, oh, "Can I buy one of the?" There was only two of them, uh, and one of them was my size. I was like, Perfect. Uh, so I, yeah, can I buy one of them? And he was like, "Yeah." And he was like, oh, "But you know, no." He's like, "So you can't buy it until after they played." And I went looking. I'm thinking, right, fair enough. But I'm gonna have to be like shooting off the train as soon as uh, your set is done. So then you played. Uh, set was done went straight back over to him I was like right can I, can I get a top and said yeah no worries it was like 30 quid or something so I don't tend to have like 30 quid of cash uh, on of course. so I was like can I just use a card reader he was like oh yeah and he took it and I was like oh, I don't know how to work this he was like it'll need to be cash I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. and then I got home and texted you and I was like is that t-shirt still left and you're like nah somebody's bought it I'm like uh, mate, who, who would have been doing the merch like, I don't even buy merch before we play but this is I mean, this if is we the, get asked that like, oh, people can buy merch I don't know because Craig from Fiend was originally doing it and he was oh. he was entice me and get me to buy that top yeah. Craig would have sold me the top yeah he just sold you he just sold you he Craig was like flaunting the top like yeah. lovely dunce shirt and I was like what I, 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 he was the one who kind of got me thinking oh, yeah. that top and then when I went back it was someone else doing it and was like 
This is like we've no not. When was the last time like we we only the only time that we are doing merch is like on tour on tour and that you know what I mean that's the only time we we are kind of really doing it. So it's any other time it's either like the garage there was someone that I think just was through DF done it so they had just done all all the self and we got to just relax with it. But um, normally it's one of your pals. So did you ever sell merch yourselves for their bands when you were kind of on the way up? Or? Um, well, nah, we would do doors and stuff sometimes. Like I used to do like doors for gigs that we would do like when we were doing some like, broadcast and stuff. I'd maybe do the doors sometimes to kind of help it. We'd all kind of like help it that way. Um, doing. And you played there a lot on the way up, didn't you? We did. We mm. did a lot of broadcast. We, we really it was us kind of cutting our teeth then, then in Friday. Um, what sort of bands were you supporting when you were kind of? We supported Red Faces at one point. Oh, I just saw they broke up. Yeah, 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 Supported Voodoo's in there. Supported Voodoo's in there. Aye, aye. We supported. uh, Other good band. (laughs) We know what we've done a lot of the kind of control social club nights as well. So a lot of the nights it was like we were supporting like Rascalton when Mm. we first started, and I think the first one we played was us Rascalton, Pleasure Heads, Heads and Das Plastics, and it was Rascalton were playing last. Pleasure Heads were playing. First thing we were singing. A pretty eye. stacked bill of that bill was going again. It was the first time now. we'd ever seen Pleasure Heads and Rascal. Oh man, we were pretty confident. Such we were like, oh, this will be good. And then we seen Pleasure Heads and we were like, oh my god. <laughs> and then we played them all. That was class. And then Rascal played them all. Like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we need to get better, kind of hang like, but it was in a good way, in the best way possible. But we definitely kind of went like, right, great. These guys are, these guys are, these guys are killing it. So we we'll need to, we we'll definitely, uh, we we'll need to up our game and we we'll need to definitely get like. Didn't feel it was a scene then. We were, we were all kind of just met, so there was no kind of, like, I don't know. We were not as close as we are now. We've had all these other things since then, like Electric Fields and all these gig, different gigs, Fed Payton and stuff. Was it like, uh, last year they did the Priory show where you, Baby Strange, and. Oh, I was Baby Strange and Rascal. That was fucking mental. It was good because it's like one of the things that you think you'd have thought it would have happened already. You'd have thought that gig's already, that must have happened. At some I remember time. that was the marketing for it, wasn't it? It was like, what if the dunce, no, what was it? What if Baby Strange, the dunce and Rascal and played a show together? It's like 20 yeah. times and right like now. A, like, like coming out of the shining. Because, I because it's, I mean, you've been in the pride of yourself, you've seen how, can I, how cramped it can get. Like, it's a, it's not like any other venue. And I mean, just the atmosphere of it though, when you go in that, and there's always folk for like local it's, bands and they're drinking. Is, it's and always like a house who, when we first help. started going, it was like that as well, because that's how I met a lot of the people that I had known, not known personally, but had known to be in bands, people like Jan and that, people like Declan, like I'd known who they were. Before when did Club Savage start up? Uh, it was before we, before we started, but um, I think it was... I think Johnny had been doing it for a wee while. I read about it because I, it was Jokey had obviously um, spoke to Johnny about starting the club night. But by the time we had done it, we had had like I mean Sway had done it. I'm pretty sure already. So it was pretty, it was well in full swing. Ah, it was in full swing, and it was uh, something that we had wanted to play as well. It was something that we had. We didn't know how to go about it, how to get the gig, but we were like, we were like, determined that it was going to come about at some point. Luckily, Johnny had like seen we had done our first three gigs at Record Fact, and he'd seen a recording for one of them. I. Which is like mm, that's what you, that's, that's what you want to happen, but like you don't actually imagine things like that are actually going mm. to happen. You, that's how you picture that it's going to happen. Like, oh, you'll see my Facebook post, and then I've got a gig, and that's actually what happened. So, do you remember the first time you met Johnny? I remember. I was in the uh, Friday. And oh, it was in Sneaky Peach, was it? Not? Was it? Was it no one? No, it was the first. The first time we met him, I'm pretty sure it was when we done Sabbath on Friday. No, we met him in Sneaky Peach before that. Did we know? Because we were saying that we were going to play Club Sabbath. I can't remember, mate. I'm pretty sure it's Sneaky Pete's. Nah. That when we went for it to play with Rascal. Nah, it was definitely Pride because we'd done Control Social Club and then we'd done Club Sabbath immediately after that. So it must have been Pride. It was the first time we met him. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have went away yet. I think it was. 
must have been one of two anyway but the first time we met him I remember because we were all shit scared when we came down the <laughs> stairs and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go with Pride like, that's why I think it was but it was the first time I remember because I remember it all being the same which was being pure and it was like at the end of that night for example it was like we had to go and ask for the fee mm. for Sabbath so it was like Rab and David were like right who's going to go and ask for the fee and Dave was like I'm not doing it and Rab's like I'm not doing it he's like, well, I'm, not, I'm not doing it because you're not doing it I'm not going to bother because you're not doing it and then so I was like I'll it. just fucking do it I was like I'll just do it I'm not, I'm not bothered about it I was going to ask and then I asked him and it was like one of the ones where it was like oh uh, so like can when when are we getting the fee and he was like oh you need to wait till the end of the night and I was like I felt like I appeared dick I was just like should have just waited, man. Should have just waited. But I was like, think of that now compared to the way we were with Johnny. Now it's like, it's like, it's, it's like I, will, I felt like it took until we went into the EP before we proper. That's when you get a made an indication of what we were actually like because mm-hmm. we were also a bit more. We were a bit more. We're not really shy people, but we were a bit more shy because uh, I don't know. I guess when it comes to bands and stuff, you always kind of put yourself into like a weekend kind of like hierarchy or whatever. You, you see people that are that are in bigger bands that've been doing well, you kind of get a bit intimidated by it. But I think the more have you always recorded with Johnny and no we done like a demo four songs and we released that like right after I think it was before we done our first gig we released this EP which was Birds and the Bees G53 Ride the Wave Ride the Wave and Mandira Mandira and is we, that um, the that was a Friday EP so it was like a oh, Friday I'm thinking of uh, what was the first EP oh not working as class not working as class so that yeah so we ended up removing it so the demo EP we put out for a while and then we re-recorded we, re- we recorded a song called Astro Boy and then we done Birds and the Bees for a second time so that we done in, uh, 45 45 A-side with mm-hmm. uh, Paul McAnally and we he's um, a good producer Paul mate that, I totally that's why we went there like, we had listened to the Van Tee stuff the Pell stuff and we were like aye this is where we want to go just like retro and stuff now doesn't yeah. it yeah yeah exactly yeah I think they were I think they were they either started going already or aye man he was, there were so many bands there were so many bands that he'd done that we were like oh it'd be great and then we did have a great time but it was when we I had a conversation with Marshall for the first time I met Marshall was like the night before we went and recorded the EP I met him in Priory it was one of the nights where everybody's in Priory and it's just pure busy and yeah. you can barely move and it's just uh, it was one of them and I ended up talking to him in the toilets and I, right away I just, I just had this we, we had this conversation that kind of just went like it was all these subjects we spoke about in a row which is all these things I was really really interested in what sort of stuff were you talking about? stuff like I don't know man like I'm obviously I'm quite obsessed with like one one of the things was kind of conspiracy theories. We were talking about David Icke. So he's got a David Icke book sitting in. Yeah, that thinks the royal family are all lizards. Ah, yeah, he's very well read on a lot of subjects, David Icke. But the reptilian thing seems to be the thing that most people Lats associate onto. with him. I just in the same way that like thirty years ago, it would have been his mad like Wogan interviewed him or even on and he like basically Wogan like. Well, he used to be a, was he a football player. He was a goalkeeper. Aye, he was a goalkeeper, and then he like use that platform to I he, he had like theories. a spiritual experience basically and then he tried to go on the telly and talk about it and they totally ridiculed him but he ended up becoming like calling back to the man like Jimmy Savile thing like he's been talking about all this stuff for about like 25 years you know what I mean and a lot Aye. of stuff he said came through so it's like he's, 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 I, I would say um, they just to look into it and just see just just because there's no point believing in anything fully but he's like interesting it's possibly guy, a similar way to Johnson where you just write someone off like what we were speaking about earlier Aye. it's always you should never really write someone off no you? you should totally even things that you don't agree with you should still absorb and try and learn from because you need to, you need to learn and you, at least with David Icke it was one of the things I was speaking to I spoke to the, uh, I spoke to Kiss about that at the beginning of me, and then we started talking about like it was like it jumped to like Alan Watts and like Tenth McKenna and people like that and then it got to like we were talking about magic so talking about magic isn't like talking about the occult so it was like 
we were talking about synchronicities, meaningful coincidences that Carl Jung talks about, which is these like coincidences that happen that seem to have kind of some kind of meaning or deeper meaning. And I felt like that was one of them because we had when that you conversation met when I met Marshall. And I had the same when I've met other people. I had the same thing when I met um, like, like Jokey for the first time. And I had the same thing when I met like uh, when we met Jerry. It was like a kind of it's been like a moment that it almost feels, it feels you can like feel something you feel like you've met this person before and you feel like he's, like he's already been like deja vu kind of thing Aye, it's, like thing. A, it's a deja vu it's like a certainly that and it's I've, I've got a lot when it comes to meeting people in relation to music and it always seems to kind of hop back to that but um, have you had it with anyone you that you've like met recently or uh, I'm trying to think of people that were very similar I've had it with people like, the funny thing is I've had it with people who know really so much in the music industry I had like I was at my, my girlfriend's birthday party and I met a guy and it was just the same and I, I like he, he like kind of walked in and I didn't really he wasn't a guy that I, right away was like I'm going to be best pals with this guy but I got talking to him for like 5-10 minutes and that's that's how it felt and it was the same thing we were clicking on all the same kind of subjects it's almost like you're feeling like you'd met somebody for the first time but you've known them for like years yeah that way you just know but we've got a lot of pals that are like that that's why your mm-hmm. pals group there's a lot of like if you see like our kind of close pals group it's a lot of people from different places that have all kind of like at New Year there it was like it was a real like because we always usually all get together at New Year like a good kind of core of us and it's kind of slowly get bigger over for time. a house party yeah. aye man it was, aye, it was it was good it was relaxed but um, I you do you do get a lot of people I guess when you're in the thing about music and the thing about any of these kind of like arts that people pursue is that you have to have a certain belief in yourself to do it so I think that's why there's a lot of that kind of common like the easiest way to maybe get it would be like people who talk about the law of attraction and the way that you attract things towards yourself things that you put in the universe things you people talk about people at least the word manifest I've seen people use the, the word manifest a lot more commonly now than maybe the used to it seems to be a lot more of a common thing that people are realising now that, that that's how your life works really you can't avoid bad things but you generally you're attracting or you're putting things out into, into the world and you're, you're getting things from it so there was a lot of things of that when we first started the dance, but there was a lot of things I really kind of wished for or wanted to happen that, that, then, that then happened so it kind of only furthers your own belief once you have things like that that happen what do you wish for now that you think? Uh, that's the thing. What what I've kind of learned for the for the old wishing is making sure that I'm not being vague about it and actually trying to know what I want and not just kind of putting some kind of vague idea out into the world. But um, I think the new, I think the, just the, there is almost that like, thing as well that if you are so determined and you think something's gonna happen, yeah, it'll happen. Like, yeah, no, definitely. Or at least if you that. if you have like a lot of hard work put towards it as well, because it's always like as much as we might have all these kind of lucky things that happen for us, like when we get offered bread and or any other kind of opportunity we've been given there's there's an element of like obviously we put the hard work in to get there but there's just that wee thing that just clicks into place that is the coincidence it's, a, thing, can I say it's about like belief though and faith as well because we don't actually believe in it yeah I do you do there must be some it takes a, it's a certain kind of thing I think. yeah I think it's a certain kind of force I, if, you, if you need to have like because you've got an idea of how what you want it to be and where you want it to be before it's there you're, you're just visualising it at that point when we were sitting in the studio when <clears throat> we first started we were practising every week it was an idea that this is where we could go whereas now we feel like it's we're in it we're in it now so how, what do we do now that we're here mm. we're always constantly trying to think ahead and still keep having an idea of how we want to go forward always like always setting ourselves goals and then most of the time achieving them and then being able yeah. to move things on further and be like right if we've done this so now it's like what I'll admit is getting to a point where it's like I have achieved a lot of things I've wanted to do so I'm having to actually rethink it all. I'm having to rethink it all I am having to think of where I want it to be I was so I, I was like I really really wanted to get done and do the album and now that we're doing it it just feels like right ah, it's good it's good it's going to be done properly it's going to be done the way we want to do it 
Yeah. I mean, there's a certain obviously like I can meet like a lot of bands and do a lot of interviews with bands. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to, not to discredit any of them, but there is some bands that when you meet them, you can sense a certain kind of determination and mm-hmm. a belief yeah. that isn't present with some of the other ones, and it's obviously something that y- yourselves have. And uh huh. Yeah, I think, other I think there's maybe an element of people obs- like us obsessing about it a lot. Um, is it an obsession? It is an obsession. hundred percent is an obsession. It's something that takes over your life. For some people, I think they're always like. Again, I think it harks back to this kind of like self-deprecating thing. That's like you don't want. To, like some people, their whole thing about being in a band is, oh, we don't take it seriously. None of it. We don't take any of it seriously. It's just all a big laugh. And it's like, no, you do. You definitely. I know need, if you band you that. You need yeah. to take it seriously. Like, see if they're even writing songs and putting themselves out there. Then they take it seriously because. You do, and you can you tell when you see it. them getting stressed when someone is not working you can just see the cracks totally man like there's bit, so we would regard ourselves as being a bit kind of aloof sometimes and a wee bit like I don't know we like to have a laugh with it but we really care about it all as well like we're so determined I mean, you want your to personality to shine through you don't do. you you do you don't want to become too serious because that's that's the, the tightrope you're walking you don't want to be that guy that's pure oh I'm in a rock band so I need to be a, I, like I, if I'm sitting here with you doing an interview I need to act a certain way I need to constantly think about oh I'm cool when I need to do a certain thing but you don't want to go too far off the other way, but I'm just going to be like a pure meme for this entire podcast. I'm just going to say the weirdest, most random stuff. That just wouldn't be us. We just kind of, we just think everything is us. Like, it all shines through in the music for us. Everything, all that, all the, all the kind of, we feel the right, emo- we're putting the right emotions into the songs and we feel like that's what people vibe off. We feel that's what they, they feed off with the songs. Which is that, it's, we're taking it seriously, but it's it's music to have a laugh. To, you know, it's music to, Happy and I think if you if you kind of have that, or the crowd also have that, and the crowd feel mm-hmm. like they're part of a community. Totally, we feed off them as much as it, it works two ways. And it's like when we go out and do these gigs at like garage and stuff, that's when I kind of remember why it's also important mm-hmm. and why why you enjoy it as much as you do. Yeah, with the, the, looking back at the early EPs, so you obviously you did not work in his class and self convinced but they were both done at Seven West. Yeah, whether, yeah. yeah. so that was the time you got there. How has time kind of changed your view of them? Do you think? Has um, it altered at all? Or? Oh, like, well, I definitely see them as, like... So, like, I mean, I, I guess we're announcing this soon, aren't we, with the vinyl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, probably, this will be out in two weeks, will it be? Yeah, <coughs> so... Then. Aye. So, um, we are... I see them, they're both kind of... T- to me, they both have separate sounds, and I feel like the first EP is definitely a lot more raw than the second one is. The second one has a lot more of that kind of more polished production that mm. the newer singles have. But I still feel like they all feel like the same band. Very so, raw. Yeah, so we're packaging together the um, first two EPs. We're packaging together the, the first two EPs with the singles as a vinyl. So it's going to be like an unofficial album and a physical copy for people to buy. We just wanted to do it because it feels like, as much as I love the fact we're going to do our first album here. It's a chapter of the band. To everyone, yeah, to everyone it will be our debut album. We'll still treat it that way. Um, we, we still want to acknowledge, as you say, we like, still want to acknowledge what we've done before and, and it, we, we think it deserves the treatment of been put in like a track list and played all the way through it's like got suited for their uh, first four singles exactly one. yeah no that's it man that's it we, were, we feel like it was we talked about it for ages and then a guy made us a good offer for it so we were like well we finals were, are expensive are they well, yeah that's it yeah, man yeah, but the guy's man. done us a good deal for it so um, how well, many have you got impressed so if, I mean we, it's tough to ask Rab uh, <laughs> he's been looking at, I think it's like a, the company's called Diggers Factory and if anybody in a band is listening to this, it might be worth looking at it as well. Because I said to the Voodoo's boys, and mm-hmm. they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what they do is they deal with the making, the distribution, or the customer service, and all that, and they take like twenty percent or something off of the sales. But it starts off in um, 
pre-orders so you set like a certain amount of pre-orders and then if you hit that it'll go into production if you don't hit it then it doesn't happen you don't lose I've any seen this actually because I think the blinders did that with their live album because I bought one of them and it's like signed and everything yeah. and when they did it that had to be 500 orders mm-hmm. before yeah. it could be made I think Rasko maybe yeah. done something similar they done something similar you had to hit like a certain target we are fairly confident they will sell okay um, the merch is sold really well incredibly well so we feel like this especially for people who people would be moved for a wee while and maybe always felt like I think a lot of people maybe thought if we were doing an album it was going to be like all the best songs we've done the new and then like three more songs oh that's what I liked about Dick Malsh's album yeah but it is works. that he had done something completely different yeah but, 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 but yeah going in and doing something completely different is we just kind of always that was always our attitude because we were like as good as everything is the new we'd always constantly want to drink more and the way music is now as well your first album is almost released before you put out your first album yeah yep, no. you look at a band like Vistas for instance from mm-hmm. Edinburgh how many singles have they put out over the last like two years mm-hmm. like probably about two albums worth because yeah. they're putting out a single like every six weeks or whatever the, always that feeling of keeping the buzz going and putting out your newest material that's if you're in the club another time that's the way you would be um, and we, we, we are happy with that as well like but there's lots of singles that we know we're only going to like we're, we're sitting going right we've got this bad session we're sitting we've got Marilyn are we going to sit down on our EP what nah we'll just put them out singles cause we can like Look at bands like uh, Lee Smiths or the Beatles. Like they had so many songs they just done as singles. They'll put them in any albums. They were just singles. I was listening to Smith today. Like, I mean, what was it? Charming Man. No, they've released a lot. I mean, so many man. I mean, they've even got like just compilation albums. It's just all the singles. That full of hollow and yeah, stuff. Yeah, hollow and stuff. I like. Uh, the Wombats just put one out as well. Did they not? All their B sides, like yeah. in a big lot, like fucking like, two hour album or yeah. something. All I mean, their the B-sides thing is, with a lot of bands, like if you don't do it, someone else is gonna do it anyway. You on YouTube and it's like Arctic Monkeys acoustic album or something. Mm. Or, like, I mean, look at Arctic like, Monkeys, all the EPs they used to put out and stuff. Aye, like aye, that's aye, almost like two albums board, worth. Beneath the board block, man, you've got all like the alternative takes. You know the songs off the first album because they had basically recorded demos of the first album and all the other songs. So you get different versions of like when the sun goes down or like. Songs that just like aren't even like uh, songs in the I don't know the like B sides or anything. They're just songs they had when they were playing as a band that had done as demos that are just on beneath the board block that haven't been on anything else. They've got some really good B sides, but there's, mm. there's a lot of bands that do have that. We've always felt like we try not that we try not to, but we always treat songs like singles. I think a lot of the time, regardless of what we're doing. I think if you're putting an album that every track has to be. Yeah, it has to jump out. Gives you a bit conscious of man. There's no filler. There's not like what you'd call an album song. A song that's just there for the sake of the album, man. You want to write an album that's full of singles, but yeah. every song could stand on its own two legs as its, yeah. as its own single. It should be a difficult t- decision to be deciding what's going to be coming out as the singles. Yeah, I mean, the Monkeys fence did that with uh, AM. Yeah. Oh, what was that album Calvin Harris put out as well? Eighteen months or something where every song got into the top ten. Mm. Aye, aye. It's, I think that's like, crazy. Like even like I think with the Beatles, it was there. Aye, first album. They've like got that album one as well, yeah. don't they? Aye, which is just all the number ones, and there's about like 26 exactly, songs or something. Yeah, exactly, man. It's got Lady Madonna on it, but I just I don't know how that was ever number one. I, don't know I really one. don't know. Are there some songs missing off that that you would have expected? To yeah, no, totally, mate. I mean, like, you look one, at like, like the White Album and how many songs it's got on it, and it's like. There's some shit on that album as well. There right? is some shit on that album, does, man. But again, some of the stuff that some people would say shit, I'd probably like. I love like. Um, everybody's getting this. Uh, I, everybody's got something to hide apart from me and my monkey like I, for me that I just love that things like Savoy Truffle and all that like I well, love like all the piggies pure... and stuff as well aye piggies aye piggies I guess aye that's the thing with George Harrison like I, f- I mean I fucking love his music and I think his solo album all things must pass is about... one of the best things ever but he also done that was it got my mind set on you which to me is just pure like stilted to cheddar cheese Ringo's uh, and his solo stuff the what? Sniff Sniff song uh, Ringo's solo song 
I think in the uh, Ringo stuff, I made there's you one. You should he, check that. Out. There's Sniff song. There's one he does. Uh, it, there was one he does. It's actually just a George Harrison song. There's two recordings of it. Um, I think he said, "Don't come easy." It, uh, it don't come easy. So there's one that's a Ringo Starr version. It's just him singing it, and then there's like the one that's like George Harrison recorded because it's his actual song. Just actually, he's a lucky. Um, aye, Ringo Starr. He's a he's a he's a lucky guy. <laughs> well, that's, uh, what's that quote from one of like Paul's old interviews where like? Uh, is Ringo the best drummer in the world? Oh, I think he's right. not even the best drummer in the Beatles. Aye. I don't even. Well, he left the band, didn't he? And Paul played yeah, drums yeah. on. I think it was during the White yeah, Album. There's a few the, songs Paul played Towards the end, for. I think they were doing a lot of it, just like going in and maybe two of them writing a song or one of them because they could all play all the instruments. But at the same time, I, I would never really like diss like Ringo as a drummer because I love his I love his drumming. I think it's like it makes like you look at some of the songs. It stays with him. He's a cool cat. Uh, like. He is cool. He is cool. And like well, things like like songs like Tomorrow Never Knows. It's just some like. Tom and Snare, but it's it's effective. Do you know what I mean? You, would, you couldn't have anything else in there. Nothing else makes sense. You couldn't put. You couldn't have one of these really big flashy like Keith Moon type drummers in the Beatles. It wouldn't have worked. It's just he does. He does what he does, and it's, you get a lot of drummers like that. Even you, you need like a solid rhythm section. That's what a lot of you do. No, you do. They were, they were so tight that way. I mean, I was watching a video the other day. It was a uh, it was just guitar techniques, and it was all just majority. It was like their older songs, like the songs that you would. A lot of people have this idea that the Beatles were just kind of like writing pop songs to begin with, and then started making other experimental stuff. But you look at all the techniques; they were clearly very well read and very well educated when it comes to music. When you look at the wide variety of different things they were doing just in the first like three or four albums, like really are a force to break. I mean, you look at how much music they made in such a short space of time. I mean, only essentially about like seven or eight years. The amount of albums they they made. But there's at least a couple of songs the Beatles have made that everyone appreciates. You know what I mean, he's like. Here comes the sun. Like, and they would pick that and go, that's a beautiful song. But I remember going camping when I was like 15 with Paul from school, like up in the woods, drinking and just going <laughs> like, the campfire. Like, <laughs> definitely, man. Like, brilliant. No, definitely. They, 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 or even there's some songs you don't even realise it's by them. Um, but I definitely appreciate them. I guess because they've got uh, like four singers as well. Yeah, no, it's four songwriters, which is something that we can, uh, that's what I love about us is how much I don't really know what the right dynamics are like in most bands. I've spoke to people about it, everybody's different, but we've never had any set like I find it weird when you songs. have a band that has one songwriter. Yeah. Like when it's not like like Tim and Pal, whatever, it's marketed as a solo thing, but yeah. they play with a band. Yeah. I won't name because a few bands in Scottish but I know it's just the frontman that writes everything. Yeah. All the parts and that just strikes me as a bit I think you can hear it in the music. I think, I think one of the beautiful well. things about a lot of bands is those clashing of influences that gel together it, well. You can see it live as well, I think, because they don't have as much stage presence. Aye, we always like take on both. Like we always, like I always get really buzzing when I like. For example, when I was sitting in Marilyn for ages, I was gonna sit like I really like this song. I think it's a good song, um, but I don't really know until I showed them it and I see that they like it. Because as soon as I know that they like it, then I'm like, right, it's good. Then I know now. I know it's not just me. But I mean, that's um, a good example. Like what I find quite interesting about you is that you've never written songs like just kind of soppy love songs, or whatever, that they kind of stand their thing. You've always tried to write. Aye. songs about different things Marilyn being a prime example yeah I mean Marilyn's like a kind of opportunity for me to like to, to write a song in the same way that somebody would write a song like that so I was like inspired by um, primarily by a poem that I read in school that was about Marilyn Monroe by Edwin Morgan and it was like just kind of taking this kind of take on it just being like um, just the kind of general attitude of people at the time how people actually felt when she died because of what she kind of represented in a way um, but I with the song I wasn't sure like because we, we don't I just I, I find like writing writing love songs and stuff it's like 
I know, I know for a fact that I could sit down and write lyrics down that I don't mean. I know I could do that. I know I could sit and write a song that I don't actually totally believe in. I know I could sit and write something just for the sake of being like, right, girls will uh, maybe identify with this or whatever. But I wouldn't want to. You can tell though. Like, there was a song uh, came out yesterday that I was speaking to one of my pals about. Mm-hmm. And the verses, there was just no substance to them. And you could hear it in the delivery as well. Oh, I. You could like, hear there's no passion about totally. it. You get that? It's like. It, it kind of hides behind sometimes especially when you get people who are very talented singers it can, you know, it's not as noticeable unless it's something that you care about but then you but when you do you hear it you go I can there's no sincere no sincerity there which is I think there's a lot of music out there that's like that a lot of music's like not to sound like a, an old man or anything but a lot of music these days is just mindless it doesn't have any meaning particularly I think pop is always going to be a wee bit like that but, well, at, but at least they used to tackle kind of like there's so many songs like, they would tackle bigger subjects I just think there's like I don't know, man. There's, especially the more kind of like, like, like that dance monkey song. Like, I know that song actually does have a meaning. That's the thing. That song actually does have a meaning, but I just still categorise it into this kind of like the substance. There's no like the, the robotic delivery over it. Like, it just it, it doesn't. But then you get some. You still get some big pop stars that can like. You look at someone like Billie Eilish. Oh, I totally. Who is connecting with billions of people? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, very, very like connecting very well. It seems to be doing something different. I guess it does be. Yeah, it does. It's, it seems to be. I don't know. It seems to be like it's changing a wee bit now, and I feel like guitars and stuff are coming back in. Right, because ba- I mean, the last decade bands have been a little bit absent. From they the, have been. Yeah, the mid two thousands kind of indie boom, and then it's kind of just been on a gradual decline. It has and been. Now it feels like it's going to be. Because there. I think at the moment where like where you had like two kind of genres that were separated, where you had like dance music started to dominate as soon as we get into the two thousands, and it was it already was through the nineties, and then you had kind of more urban or R and B in rap now what you've got is like a kind of combination of all three of them meshed together and that seems to be what, what pop music is it is interesting but that seems to be what pop music is regarded of it's only really made out of those ingredients whereas it seemed to be at least 10 years ago or a wee bit before then you were you were still getting things like I mean it's probably the thing that killed it off things like The Killers Snow Patrol these bands were still high the charts the Kings I mean? of Leon towards the kind of and Kings of Leon is like just at the end of that where it's mm. like right just it when it's high is it, it's when it's high as it possibly can it can't go any higher than this and now it's aye it, it feels like it. Like I've seen that thing with NME where they voted the 1975 the best band and they also the voted them the worst one in 2014 Aye, and it's like well what, what does it mean to have been the best band from 2010 to 2020 considering the, the like name me the biggest band from then do you know what I mean you mm. couldn't because you're like oh wait rock music is only slow resurging through that period it kind of went underneath it's considering it was at the forefront of pop music for like 50-60 years being voted the best rock band of that decade is pretty much meaningless it doesn't really mean anything it's just they're just doing it to appear like they know what they're talking about. See, because they've went and slagged them before and then seen how popular they are, they feel like they can't continue to give them jip because it'll just make people hate Enemy even more than they already do. Uh, I don't know how, so long, like, how much Steve thinks Enemy's got left in it. Uh, <clears throat> I feel, I, I don't know. Their medium is dying, so it's like... I think there's better sites out there. Nope. Yeah, no, there is. There's better ways of getting your... Like, I feel like people, like especially see when you see in the way now that, like especially with younger folk especially like kind of younger children like watch YouTube and stuff it's like their idols and their role models and the people they look up to are now on the internet I feel like the same way happens in terms of how people want to obtain their criticism and how they want to things like I like Anthony Fantano the guy that does the like music reviews Needle Drop and like, I don't agree with him on a lot of things you know what I mean he's, he's like shat all over some bands and some albums that I love but it's just him <laughs> giving his opinion um, but he does it in a way I think it's interesting to hear from someone else's perspective yeah he does it in well. a way that to me seems well thought out and educated whereas a lot of people these days feel that you can just dismiss things without any kind of thought behind it you can just be like oh that's just shit why because it just is 
Yeah. He's it's when the New York Monkey song got released a couple of years back. Remember the shit stomach kicked off on Twitter for that? Like, uh, what one? Uh, Tranquility based. Oh, I yeah. like it because what, what there seemed to be, which I noticed about that, is it came out and a lot of people who had, I don't know, maybe jumped on it. Jumped on it AM, kind of went, ah, this is shite. And then after like three months, we're all going, oh no, this is this is the greatest thing I've ever made. Whereas we were all like, when it first came out, look, we are, this, this is amazing. This is I remember the amazing. first time I put it on and listened to it, I'm like, this is fucking mental. It is, you're like, I, I listened to it, I remember I got a leaky album before it came out and I listened to it all the way through it. And it I was first, the same, I got it on the Wednesday night. Yeah. First listen, I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know what I make of that. That's, that's through me, right? I see especially all the kind of weird placements of the rhythm and stuff. However, it was a wee bit offbeat in some of the songs. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was weird. And I played it through again and again and again and again and again. It was and that tune 4 out of 5 it got me straight aye, away. That was it's the one like, that you were pure hooked aye, on. It makes sense why that was the lead single, man. Aye, it does, man. It just gets you right away. It's one of those ones you're on board with, even if you don't like the rest of them. Whereas, for me, just, the the, for album, me it's just, I just I, I get addicted to different songs now. So the start like, of that album, though, with the drums, when it just comes in, like... And then he starts like singing like high, like... Uh, it's so it was so out there but it was like I was hoping for a change up and something different I didn't know what they were going to do but I'm so glad they did because they made five guitar rock albums it's good for them they still they, there's still elements of that and then you know, you've got like She Looks Like Fun which to me sounds like a kind of mm. like kind of Beatlesy song you know what I mean like lyrically and all that it's still well, their cover of that Beatles tour at the Olympics as well oh yeah they done come together didn't they aye they done um, aye I really like him I really like Alex Turner and uh Miles Kane doing um, Mooney's Daydream by David Bowie. They've done oh, it from T, uh, anyway. it T in the Park. Aye, that yeah. T in the Park as well, mate. Aye, that's class. Love that. Yeah, it's a great song, but it's that was, cool that was to question after he died as well, I think, wasn't it? I is think that what it they did was, it? Aye, it was. It was. And I, 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 I see the thing with David Bowie is that I've, I really I loved him as an artist, but he was a great artist, but I don't really listen to a lot of his music. I mean, for me, it's mostly just, it's mostly just a, uh, Ziggy Stardust that's, that's really the only thing that I listen to the most I've tried to kind of delve into the rest of it I like Blackstar I think Blackstar is like very interesting it's album. very interesting mate definitely especially as an ending piece to, to, to his life and to his, to his music me, me and Jam were speaking about it just to where it all kind of figured out and ah, knew what was happening knew what was coming you don't mate you don't and it's very deep and it's a guy that was very deeply into the whole spiritual and occult side of reality I mean it's interesting to hear an album from someone who knows they're going to die so they make oh, an I album totally about dying totally and it was almost like kind of like it doesn't sound like any of the rest of his music but it almost sums all the rest of it up do you know what I mean I've barely dipped my toes in the water with that album I've only listened to it I listened to it even when it came out I've tried to get it pretty intense it's pretty intense mate it is pretty intense it is fucking intense I mean it's what the concepts it's dealing with it's got to be intense but um, no, I think even just I love the video of him talking to Paxman about the internet. I think that is yeah. one of the best. Well, you put it, when was that? What year was that? It from? was like nineteen ninety nine or something, man. It was like right on the cusp. Gonna... He already had like his own like kind of server and that set up, and just well, the way that like Pax just getting to talk. But Paxman's trying to write it off and he's trying to throw him off. But he's you could just tell so that passionate. he's so passionate and to be able to spot that from from that far away, man, and see that that was coming bleeds into his music as well. No, totally. Do you think there's anyone else like that now at the moment kicking about? Do you think there could be someone who could have a career that's 50 years long now? Because it almost feels like the way that it's going, it's so instantaneous and you, you want new stuff straight away. Yeah, man. I feel like, I don't feel like there's as much like, seeing the way that like, music now feels like with industry, the way the industry works, it definitely feels like it's a kind of, more of a PAL system where people help each other in the industry and people that kind of maybe benefit from knowing people in the industry already seem to succeed more than people that have that kind of come from at least like it doesn't really matter what kind of background you come from but at least come from like you're doing it yourself and just doing it with your pals and you don't really know anybody in the industry it seems to be a lot harder to break in regardless of what genre you're in it seems a lot harder to break in that way 
um, than it would have been in the past where a lot of bands a lot of artists were kind of just normal people people now are kind of born into it like even you talk about people like Billie Eilish like she seems to me like someone who has been born to do something like that like her whole family play music and they're all producers or actors or whatever her brothers like are really interesting guys well. yeah so like it seems like people like that like they'll always you're kind of like it's too not as too big to fail but it's yeah it's probably not going to fail you're going to get every opportunity and then as soon as you're, you're, you're clicked in you're that's it everything's going to fall into place whereas it feels like you need to kind of work that wee bit harder when you don't necessarily know the people in the industry when they don't know you all they've got is like your name on a sheet uh, of paper name on a sheet of paper and they maybe speak to your manager or they listen to your music but there's so much out there It's I think it's a very hard thing to break into now um, if you don't have at least a lot of money some management in back in mind aye man you need money I mean I was watching a Clash documentary last night and it was showing you them when they very first started and they didn't even have a drummer yet and um, they were asking them like how do these afford to get how do these get by and they were like oh well we get paid 60 quid for the gig the PA cost 55 pound like you do the math you know what I mean then then Joe it's even worse now. Uh, Joe Strummer's like I buy a pack of strings every night as well so like work, work that out and they're like how do you afford to get any well he's like every time we need to do something my manager needs to put his horn in his pocket now I wish that was us do you know what I mean <laughs> that would have been class if that was us when we started but we didn't have a manager that like, came in and gave us all our money like, I mean, when we did, had to uh, make our own money when did Jim start managing you well Jim started came in after Dimitri came out but Jim's never put his money he gave us his flat but he doesn't ask for any money you yeah. know what I mean Yeah, sure. he doesn't ask for any money neither does Chris and it's because they know that we won't waste it we don't waste we've never wasted our money we've made we've always reinvested it in the band it's a business so we're not we're sensible that way we've always been sensible that way because we realised that putting it in we're going to get it back eventually how, so, uh, how have things changed since you've been like on 7 West like in terms of like the, the run of the band and the management I think, that, I think we were lucky with the fact that we've got David and Rab primarily that they're very organised people anyway so they're very I don't know what the word would be for it very anal I guess <laughs> very particular about details so it works in our benefit that way and we could have self managed but Jim again just adds another dynamic to it because um, he has to be the manager and he has to be the person that's out with the group that's able to like bring things together sometimes same, same with Chris well. aye man that's what they both have um, they both have uh, and they both are able to use that in different ways like with Chris as well he is, he is actually he's actually really good with his people skills in terms of how he can how he coordinates it sometimes it mm. would maybe take him to, to bring everything together rather than Jim um, but we're lucky that we've got quite a big team around us um, Dion as well mm-hmm. um, we've got the lawyers and stuff there's there's a lot of people that are involved with it the more people we've always been serious about having people involved that are serious the same way we are that believe in us as much as we believe in ourselves um, but I, we're lucky that there's a lot of stuff it's, it, I'll tell you one thing it, it, we're all, at least able to focus more on playing in the band and writing now than we were before Jim and stuff came out right? yeah. even like there's a lot more focus on that which is good to take that with us so in terms of the way we run it um, in terms of how we run it as a business with money and stuff like we're lucky now that we're starting to make a bit where we can invest like in like a bad account and stuff yeah we've well, got like a band yeah. account and like the reality is now we're travelling away to Europe and America sometimes so you need to make a bit of money I mean we got a bloody shop when we went to South by Southwest because it was how expensive oh was. mate honestly and it's like you need to tip everybody as well so you're going like, like 15% on top yeah yeah uh, you're going like 7 eight dollars on a drink already Brexit's basically got it so you've got like you're, you're, getting, seven, a, you're getting a pound for a dollar you know what I mean you used to get like nearly two dollars to a pound about 30 years ago but now 
Like, so you're doing that and then tipping every single time. Do you remember when you were tipping the guy and he stopped serving? Well, no, it wasn't because I was. What happened was. Cause we were so we were out with Ascot and stuff. So there was all years now Ascot, and everybody ordered a drink before I did. Every every person had went up before I did. Before I got to order my drink, because I was like curious. Not one of them tipped the guy. Not one of them tipped him. So by the time <laughs> to I got fair, to right, the guy, to be fair, it's because we were paying on card, right? Because we were paying on card, and we didn't know well. you could. You, apparently, you can sign the receipt and tip on that. Any of us knew that. You just you pay everybody just tap contact. Let's be yeah. out in this wee screen thing. You need to tap. Add a tip on manually. So the guys at the same time as what he's saying, the guys flip the screen and you being like. Tip. Tip. And then him tipped him. So by the time he got to me, he wasn't even serving me for ages and I made sure I was like, I don't know why I'm pure clicking my fingers at him, but I was like, yeah. I was the only one still in I've been standing like, for like 10 minutes, yeah. Can you serve me please? And he's like, no. He's like, and I was like, is that, and I was like, is that because they never like, tipped you? And the guy was like, you need to go downstairs. Um, I'm not serving you up here. I was like, neighbor. So I went downstairs, up to the bar. Guys, it's a private function down here. Can you buy it? And you go upstairs. I was like, I upstairs just send me downstairs. So I back up to the guy and I ended up I gave him the tip and it wasn't even like a thank you like a, oh you're a good one it was just I kind of I expected that you should have gave me that and I'm like mate I'm running out of cash no, I've got no money I'm tipping every drink I can't yet. Afford it, but at the same time maybe tip. we shouldn't have just been buying drink all day do you yeah. know what I mean like because <laughs> the thing is the, like, the free pole the drinks are there anyway so you only need like about one or two you don't need like you don't need any more than that we just but, did it in moderation man. but it just kind of felt like it, kinda, it was roasting it was like, a bit like a holiday after a while but How's your attitude changed the work? Because you obviously are way to go across the second time. Yeah, so we're definitely going this time to... Your ambitions must be a bit different. It's not aye, just about the experience now. You've got to try and achieve aye, something. We're lucky to see with the label and stuff and the way that we're able to manage ourselves. We don't really need a lot of things that people go to South by four specifically, but we've realised now there is a few things that we would like. That if we go there with that intention, then I it shouldn't be too hard to achieve. Um, what we realised last year was... I mean, the sets were good. We, we went great. Played the two busy rooms as well, but we realised it could have been a lot better. What did We've you do? British Embassy last year? Or done British you? Embassy last year, which is like, it's one of those ones where you're standing, there's some of strangers in the room, but the reality is you're standing in front of like, at least 50% of the people in the room are like, they're either fake, like, labels guitar and, companies, yeah. labels, any, any, any kind of raw aspect of being in the music. There's a lot of people go there, go there for that reason specifically. You realise how important it is. So, we're going back this year with, with the idea that it will be you to finalise all, all these things and make sure that we might go back you never know but just to make sure this time we cement it and anything that we didn't do properly last year we'll definitely do properly this year but it just when you're over there and you're with your pals and all that especially because it was us in Rascal and it was just like we were all just like oh this is mental we're in America how are we here how are us two here starting off playing Priory and broadcasting all that and we're in America now it's just crazy I mean, is it Austin? Bands, it's, it's Austin aye it's a cool city I'll and, do and you're walking about in places and because we've got the bands and that one so you're walking in and you're maybe getting a, a bit of pizza or whatever and you're standing next to like I don't know, like maybe I'm on the sniffers are cutting about, or like the guy from Shame or something. Ah, yeah. the guy from Shame, or like like yeah, I like, seen Sam Fender just cutting about. Like we were about to see, uh, we were at the Thrasher, so there's all these different events. So we were at the Thrasher event, so there's like a big skate ramp and all that. And I'm just sitting watching Fontaine's DC, and stand, Sam Fender standing right in front of me, and he's singing all the lyrics to every single song. I was like, I wouldn't have, like I, obviously he likes Fontaine's, but he just, I would just when really imagined him there at Fontaine's DC, pure singing all the words. Were they playing at South by last year? A Sam Fender, I done the British Music MC. I was got to because I wanted to go see him, but I ended up yeah. like getting my wires crossed. Mm. You're yeah, a big fan of Sam Fender. Ah, yeah, I do like his tunes, man. I think he's a guy that really knows. He's a guy that seems to me that he really does have things to write about. Um, I oh, like the, that, I, yeah. I like the subjects his songs. Um, I mean, at the same time, I think he talks about like being a really big Bruce Springsteen fan. I think a lot of people wouldn't. 
connect that with his music I, I can hear a lot of that in the music definitely when I saw him he covered Springsteen yeah uh, yeah there's definitely a lot in his music he's got his voice <coughs> is amazing as well we've seen him at Transmit but it's funny if you watch the Transmit video I said you can see us standing in the background because we're standing like a good like <laughs> 20 yards like, yeah. well no we were like in the crowd but we were still about 20 feet away from the crowd because at that point it was like like it transmit you that way but it's like sometimes people recognise us in Priory and that but see when it's like you're at Transmit it's like everyone knows different you, yeah. level mate aye. people are like either turning around and like craning on the next room when you're walking by or it's like I don't know man they just come right up there was a guy who came up when we were doing we were watching Sam Fender that said mm. something to that when did you first start picking up on that folk noticing you and it was mostly in Priory at the beginning when it was mostly people that you kind of like it's not like they recognise you in a way that's like oh you're in the dance it's more like Oh, you're in a dance, but I'm pals with all the people for Ascot and all right, pals yeah. the boys for all the most. So everybody kind of knows each other. And then after a wee while, it's like, it, it's just in the, in the right kind of times and places. It's almost, if it's after a gig that we've done, then chances are bumping into somebody that's either been at the gig that night or wants to talk to us. It's like pretty high. And we always go there and make an effort with people. You've never had any horror encounters, have you? Yeah. Oh, no, totally, mate. Honours. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Like, you get people that are just like, like, put it this way, like, if some, for somebody to come up to you and talk to you, they're either really confident or they're a like, dick. Either a dick or like a bit, a bit lippy or a bit like, you know what I mean? It's those like kind of like some people put this barrier up. They go, I want to go talk to them, but I'm not going to because what, what if it just goes down weird? Or there's a bit of anxiety. Because other people just don't have that. So if the anxiety is no there, then it's either because they're really confident or because they're, they're, up, to, they're up to something. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're up to something. But um, have you ever approached anyone? I have approached mm. people. I, I made a point of doing it at Transmit, uh, no Transmit, at South by because um, it's it's on networking anyway, man. So you just try and get in people's ears and stuff. Guy from Bagger Boys, met that guy three, three times. Uh, is that a guy with a big belly? I met him like, but the thing is, I met him three times and it's like, I met him the first time and then I met him again Friday and I said to him, I don't think he remembered me. And then <laughs> I seen him in France again and again, I don't think he remembered this. So, but I mean, he meet a lot, of, he meets lots of people. But at the same time, when we met and spoke to him South Bank, he was lovely. He was a lovely, lovely guy. He was really nice because he, I think, it kind of works in your favour when you get the, the past and the bands and stuff on. And everybody knows you're in a band. But I would, if I seen him there, I knew that I liked. I'd make a point. The only one I did name was Sam Fender because he was sitting by about like fifteen yeah. people at that point already. But I, I seen like the guys with Boyer Zuga, stopped them, and spoke to them. Just I was like making a point if I see people. He's quite a distinctive looking guy as well. They're both quite like I thought. Like one of the guys is like no offense, the guy, but he's like quite like shorter. Is that, that uh, the guy? The like bass the... player. And I thought, so I thought the singer was tall, really tall, because the bass player was kind of small. But the bass player was like, the, 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 the guitar section was my height, and then the bass player was even smaller. But I think they got freaked out because I was like, they didn't know, I don't think they knew the dance who the dance were or whatever, but they, I think they get freaked out so they recognised them. I don't think they, I don't think, like, couldn't have been that common a thing, at least. How big are boys, Uga? Because they're probably like, me and my pals from back home, like, one of their favourite bands, one of my favourite bands. Uh, I love them, I think they're great. Um, but I, I don't know, I mean, if you're at South By, there's at least you're known in the music industry, but you maybe haven't had the proper exposures yet. But I, I was like, oh, I love your tunes and that. I mean, I was like, I'm in a band, but I was thinking of pure makeup, I kind of about it. But it was, uh, it was, I, even people you've you seen in bands you didn't know, you still kind of wanted to try and talk to you. There was so many acts we've seen that were good, I don't think there was like, any bands I've seen I didn't enjoy even just random bands but there was so many to see mm. seen Fontaine's like about four or five times or something I've still not seen them oh man it was like we, the t- we probably get to the point where it was like probably going to see them again and we were like there's not any point seeing them again because I've already seen them about five times but they were great like they were amazing have they not finished writing their second album nah, or they are writing yeah. ah, I think it's very Beach Boys inspired which I'm quite intrigued by that would be interesting they seem to be a band that does have a lot of the as much as they stand out and have their own sound, I would say that they definitely have a lot of these kind of classic influences. Which what I think was that song they finished um, their first record on? It's very kind of pogsy. Uh, 
Oh, the kind of like dirty old town kind of yeah. one. The Roy, is it Roy's song or is it Roy's tune or something? Roy's like tune's a bit like that. I'm, I was thinking them on the end of them, but I can't uh, what it's called. But the energy, like, I just think they have like a lot of like, you wouldn't instantly go, oh, they're like um, Oasis or the Beatles or any other band like that, but you know that it's in. You can hear it's it. In their blood, it, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's in their DNA somewhere, but they've also got such a strong Irish influence as well. So they're a very they're, Irish band. Yeah. Right? Whereas we're, I mean, we're quite a Glaswegian band in terms of the way that the things that we write about but no in terms of the way it sounds I don't think I don't think any, I don't think so mm. anyway I feel like it has more of a I don't know maybe a stateside kind of sound the way we sing but that's just because I don't like singing in a Scottish accent I think it sounds cringy when I do it some people can do it well some people cannot do it well but it's like for me it just doesn't come out naturally it comes up a lot more naturally doing well what, what is my singing voice do you know what I mean that's like, I've tried Tommy works Tommy's alright because Tommy's just me just kind of I'm allowed to just do whatever yeah. I want and same with Rab we can just talk it and just shout it and it, it is Scottish it's just such a so rooted in Scotland that tune it's such a Glaswegian kind of I'm interested by like you're, you're at a point now where you're about to play SWG3 to like 1,300 folk yeah when you played the wait uh, I, I should ask how was the Barris gig oh, back at Tenement Trail wow like that was one of the ones we get asked that must be one of the bucket lists we get before right so Rab texts me like call and can I phone you and I'm like why would they not just message me I was like somebody's died or something <laughs> bad something really bad has happened so uh, he was like oh, let me phone you let me phone you and then as soon as I put the phone he was like do you want to play the Barris and I was like what and he's like the Mora and I was like no way he's did like, someone drop out or why did you I was Dreamwife dropped out so they had to fill us in illness or something now? Uh, I'm not a clue man I think it may have been something to do with logistics maybe traveling or something so you swapped in on the day of so we I man and it was literally the day before so that way where if they had the had we been booked to the app for ages it would have been all the stress and worrying and all the same way it was for like transmit because that's the reality you build up see especially when you feel you've got something like it's alright going out there like say say nobody knows who you're right say you're a band that's scored it really lucky and you've been put on transmit nobody knows who you're you get that opportunity to just go out there and be happy and if they pressure on you see imagine you're a band that's built up and built up and built up to transmit and everybody's wanting you to play transmit and everybody's so desperate for you there it's your, it's your fans you feel that immense pressure on top of you to go I don't want to fuck this up if I fuck this up then I've let them down but with that there was no time so it was like it felt like I grabbed help with that I went to bed I woke up in the morning I got all my stuff ready and we went straight down to the bar to load in and then we were sitting in there all day and I think it was father son we were sound checking as well mm-hmm. So we good band just, mate we were oh, a great band I'll tell you what we've seen them at uh, South By oh great and we met the guy the singer Ross, Ross is it Ross Layton yeah. aye lovely lovely guy as well man yeah. so much, he had so much time just to kind of sit down and talk to us he reminds me a bit of Simon Neil that kind of just humble aye, down to earth he is character. really man he is I think he already knew Rascal and stuff anyway so I think we had a kind of in, in there but he was already sitting with them and talking to him but aye, he was he was a lovely guy I think we spoke to the guitarist as well I think he was a touring guitarist mm-hmm. he was like I was in the British, British Music MC and he turned to me and he's like what are you doing here and it was the first time I'd heard like a Glaswegian accent for a wee bit probably that day because you do end up like it's quite a big place but you end up just bumping into everybody everybody that's there like there's, I guess there's people that go every year but mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was mad times it was good yeah. I sidetracked myself from my original question uh, the original question was going to be because I'm interested because now that you're at this level if you had to write an autobiography you know it, it, what, like <laughs> self-proclaimed council punk me the uh, dunce and all that where about do you begin that do you think? Where about what point do you think it starts to get exciting and you start that off? Um, I just think it's for now we're still we've kind of talked about how like our songs don't really we don't try and go down the I guess the the general formula writing songs like love songs or writing songs that are just about like hedonism and I don't know being mad at that but I feel like there's definitely that thing now where when we're tackling these subjects we really need to think about it because like talking about the scheme and all that it's like I wouldn't even like I wouldn't even make songs being like oh I'm still I mean 
you're here in the, in the house, you know, when you see the kind of area I'm living in, but it's like, I'm, I know I'm not like, I kind of pretend to be pure. It's not just we get like rap, rap, rappers and rap music, like, oh, I'm still like, like a gangster, I'm still doing It's like that enemy, that. you know, that Aye. first album they're writing about that, and then he gets the fifth one. Aye. They made a lot of money and they're still trying yeah, to like, write how can you do that? And it's the same with Arctic Monkeys as well, with their first album, I was like, oh, I don't know why they didn't just do what they the first album, so, because it only is relevant then, so I feel, there's a feeling of. He lives in LA in a fucking penthouse, he can't write a song about drinking no, titties in a park. Really, he may as well write songs about having a t- attack a year on a lunar base, <laughs> you know what I mean? He may as well, that's what he may as well get into. But I was definitely that feeling now where it's like, if it was like about to start, we'd be kind of well past all that stuff. Like we were, but we were, I think there's still plenty for us to get out in terms of that. There's a lot of things that we need to, you just you need to do that, especially cathartic. if you're a musician. You need, you need to have that eye cathartic process where you, you, I've done it, you know what I mean? There's songs I've wrote, there's elements here and like things like Marrow and there's elements in songs that we're going to bring out where it's I'm taking things in my life that really, really affected me and, and on a deep emotional level and I'm able to then put that into a song so I can then do something positive with it. Do you but remember when like, you when you first found that out that music could be cathartic? You kind of first came to that realisation? Yeah, I feel like at least when I started singing more, I felt that. I started to feel that. I started to feel like when I started writing songs about I mean, but we're all we've all went quite introspective recently, and I think it's because we've all been in a kind of at one point or another been in a dark place and tried to come back for that. So a lot of your songs are tinged with that kind of message the now, and it's only because it's what we've just been through. So what you're talking about in terms of we've wrote for maybe a kind of past perspective before and things that were present, and now it's like again we're we're, we're kind of getting out these things that we've had kind of budging away with ourselves, but we're now able to turn it into something productive. That's what we're always trying to do: is take these things that have happened. If you're gonna write about yourself and make it productive and make it something that you can that you can be proud of and kinda wash your hands yet after you've done so. But I think there's a, I just I think what we'll get now is the more opportunities we get hopefully and the more we get in about this whole thing, hopefully there's the more that we can write about. So I'd love it if I don't know, if we did get the right exposure and we start start playing all the world and stuff, I'd I'd, I'd just like to take I c I'm already kinda of seeking inspiration in a lot of places, but I think it can only the more we get into this, the more we're gonna be able to the more stuff we're going to create, I feel, and the more mm. subjects we'll work to tackle. Yeah, I think that's quite a nice note to, to wrap this up on. Thank you very yeah. much for your time, I appreciate nah, it. No man. I would plug your, your SWG3 show, but it's already sold out. Yeah, so <laughs> if you want a ticket, you can buy it for twice the price on a resale website, or um, you can maybe try and not get scammed on Twitter or something. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.